Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is his last meal with them, the Passover meal before he is to be crucified. He has just eaten with them. He has just served them by wiping their feet. And now it says in verse 24, there was also a strife among them which should be accounted the greatest. I mean, Jesus just, get this, he just got done washing their feet. And that's the next thing they said. Which is going to be the greatest, Jesus? And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that are exercised lordship uh, or authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Jesus was giving them a cultural reset. He was telling them, hey, by the way, your culture says that the person sitting at the table, the king, who is being served by others, he is the greatest. But Jesus said, by the way, I'm the king of kings and lord of lords, and I just wiped your feet. He says, the greatest is the servant. The greatest is the servant. In verse 27, he says that, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat. So that's what you recognize. He says, as a culture, you recognize the greatest is the one who's sitting at meat. He says, but I, he says, I'm different. I'm among you, he says, as he that serveth. Aren't you thankful Jesus serves? Man, I'm so thankful Jesus reaches down and helps the unlovely. He helps the one who is, is without hope and rescues them. You see Jesus going and rescuing people all throughout the Bible. And today he's still in the business of rescuing people. Let's bow our heads for prayer and ask God to meet with us through the message this morning. Father, I pray you'd take your word and help us today. Help us to grow by the grace of God. Help us, Lord, to receive with meekness the engrafted word of truth. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage every family, every marriage in the room, uh, every child that you would minister to their heart, every youth that you would help them to uh, get a call to follow God and to please God with their life. And Lord, I pray that you would help that um, we as a church might learn and might grow in this area of serving and serving you. And then, Father, I pray that you would uh, just strengthen and help us to be able to reach the community with the gospel of Christ. We do lift up before you, Jim and Lori, and ask that you would touch and encourage uh, Lori right now. And ask that you would bring a healing hand upon Jim and minister to him in the hospital. Even as we speak this morning, Father, thank you for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus says in verse 27, I am among you as he that serveth. Jesus was the greatest servant of all time. His nature and his desires were all towards service. And in this day when so many things are pulling us apart and they're pulling us different directions and there's so many things uh, pulling for our attention, we need the grace of God and the heart of God to be like Christ, to have the mind of Christ. And you know the mind of Christ was a mind of a servant. I'd like you to look at another text in Scripture that correlates with this, speaking of the nation of Israel. Look at Isaiah 41 and verse 8. Isaiah 41 and verse 8. Isaiah 41 and verse 8. Look at what the Bible says. I love hearing the sound of folks turning in their Bibles. 
You know, the reason we bring our Bibles to church and mark them in church is so we can take them home. And when we study them throughout the week, we get to turn to those markings and we get to see the word of God that helped us. Look in verse 8 of chapter 41. But thou, Israel, art my, would you read it together? Servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my, what does he say? God calls him a servant, and God calls him a friend. Now, Abraham, we know, was a friend of God. But Abraham also got called of God to leave everything that he knew to go somewhere where everything was different so that he could serve God and lead the people of God. You think about the nation of Israel, and God calls them his servant. He says, thou art Israel, my servant. God has a lot of servants. He'll use anyone who's willing. He'll also use some who are unwilling. Remember, he even used a stubborn donkey to get the prophet's attention. Balaam wouldn't listen to God. And God sent a, I mean, you do not think of a donkey as being smart, intelligent, wise. You think of a horse as something, uh, an animal that's trainable, teachable. Uh, but the donkey is not considered to be the wisest of animals. Yet Jesus used a, Jesus rode in on a donkey when he went into the city of Jerusalem. And the donkey was used to even get the prophet's attention. The donkey stopped, the donkey listened to the angel. And, and God got his attention through an animal. And the donkey even spoke. It's amazing God can use anyone who is willing. If God can use a donkey, my friend, he can use us. Amen? And if he can use, if he can use um, those on a time past, like Moses, who couldn't even speak, it says he was slow of speech, God can use us. Think of how Israel was a servant. The rest of the world lived in known places. They lived in houses. They lived in established homes. But the nation of Israel, they wandered around and lived in tents. Abraham left everything to go live in a tent and wander around. Now, he did become a very prosperous farmer. God blessed him and blessed those animals, and those animals reproduced. He blessed his family. The family reproduced, and from him all the nation of Israel was formed. But then that nation was sent to Egypt by way of bondage. But Joseph goes there ahead of them. Can you imagine being Joseph? He's about the age of some of you young men in the room. About the age probably of Grant. He goes to Egypt. He gets promoted at first, but soon he gets stuck in a prison. And you would think, if it was any of us, we have been writing on Facebook, please pray for me. He's like the prisoners from the January 6th. Oh, anyway. Um, but <laughs> unnoticed, unrecognized, not remembered, okay? I mean, he's just... Hidden away. I don't even know who those people are, right? You don't even know who they are. They just got hidden away. Joseph was without notice, cast away. But you know what? God used him because he kept a good spirit. And God took him from the prison to now being the one. Think about servant. He's a servant in there. He actually served. Can you imagine the prisoner? Serving the prison guards. I mean, that's what he did. He served and he got so promoted, he was now serving over the whole prison. And the prison guard must have really liked him because pretty much the prison, prison, the Lord of the prison could just stand there and Joseph did everything. He took care of the whole place. Imagine that. He was a servant. Then he gets promoted to the palace and instead of letting it go to his head, he serves. God gives a dream. He interprets the dream. 
And for seven years he serves, teaching the people how to store up grain. They've never prepared for a 14-year time period like they're preparing for. Seven years of famine, or seven years of plenty, and now seven years of famine. And they are taking 14 years. It's a 14-year population protection plan, which worked far better than anything that government can plan. And they planned how to feed the entire known world. One man planned that. Why? Because God gifted him. But he was a servant. He was a servant. The nation of Israel was known as a servant. Now, Joseph did all these good things, and you would think the nation would have been recognized for it. Remember, the Lord says right here, thou art Israel, my, what does he say? Servant. Joseph gets all that serving done. For a moment, he's recognized, but his bones get tossed in a casket. 400 years fly by, right? And they become slaves building the pyramids that we still see to this day. My servant. God's servants, God's people, built pyramids for pagan people in Egypt. By hard bondage, they were whipped for it. Servant, my servant, God says. Yes, that nation served. And then, miraculously, they still survive. God leads them out, and they actually leave with the riches of Egypt. The Egyptians just say, hey, by the way, here's all of our riches, which they were used later to build the tabernacle. And God, they gave them everything. And they give them all this gold and silver. They carry it with them. The people first kind of take it to themselves. They get all the way there, and then they use that to build the tabernacle. God used his servants. They get all the way there. Now they're almost to the promised land. They see the plenty. Yet they have a heart of unbelief and they wind up wandering around in the desert. Well, the rest of the known world lives in houses built of stone, beautiful places. They live in established places. The nation of Israel sits there and goes in circles and God miraculously provides manna for them, oatmeal every day for 40 years. They're his servant. Then he leads them into the land of promise and his servants wipe out all the other people and they get to live in the land of promise. He says, you're my servant, my servant. The Egyptians would have died without Joseph coming and serving them. The nation, uh, look, they served Pharaoh. They served him. They learned how to serve. They were God's servant. And God fed them as his servants. Aren't you thankful for God and his grace? And God used and provided for the nation of Israel. When we think of the grace of God, God used the nation of Israel because they developed a quality of service. They served the Lord. They were, and now he still promises blessing to them, and that nation has still been preserved to this day. I believe God's in the business of working, and God wants to do great things. And Jesus had a heart of service, a heart for souls. He says, the greatest among you is he that serves. And this morning, I'd like us to see a few uh, principles that will help us along this way. Let's turn back, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, but if you would, to verse, chapter 15. Luke 15. And let's look at this passage. Luke 15. And verse 7, the heart of service, the greatest among us, is the servant. Serving is rewarding. Luke 15 and verse 7, verses 7 through 10. 
I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. When you and I are serving the Lord and seeking to lead others to Christ, there is a reward. There is joy in heaven. It's rewarding when you see results. Serving impacts others. It motivates, it encourages, it inspires others around you. Let me ask you, how many sinners will be saved because you serve the Lord? We really haven't done much in life until we've learned. We've learned, you know what? The greatest thing I could ever do is impact another soul for eternity. It's greater than being somebody, you know, there's a lot of popular people today. There's a lot of people that are promoted by the world. But the greatest thing we could ever do is to lead a soul to Jesus Christ. Serving is rewarding. Jesus says that I am among you as he that doth serve. You say, what was Jesus' mission? Well, Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know why it's so hard to lead people to Christ? Because it involves a ton of serving. You know why it's so hard to lead people to Jesus Christ, to see people get saved? Because it involves a ton of serving. And we sometimes give up before we get the product. Why? Because it's a lot of fishing. It's a lot of serving. We have toiled all night and we found nothing. Well, keep working. Keep toiling. We've really done, not done much in life until we've learned what it is to find someone and bring them to Jesus. There's so much joy in that. Remember, Jesus said, follow me and you will be, he says, fishers of men. God wants to raise up more fishermen, more fisherwomen. It's something that's caught, not just taught. Look, we can serve by helping others who are winning lost souls. We can, we can serve our, by helping encouraging the missionaries. We can encourage them as they are seeking to lead other souls to Christ. We can find others in the community who are leading souls to Christ. We can encourage, we can help. Some of the greatest seasons in my life were simply serving those who were serving and winning souls to Christ. I remember when I first met Gary Ellison, one of our missionaries who um, has come and preached for us. And uh, we don't currently support him on a monthly basis, but we, we support him from time to time with project needs and his, his prayer letters in the back. And, and Brother Gary Ellison, uh, seeing him, the zeal that he had to reach souls for Christ, it inspired me and it made me say, you know what, I want to help him. I want to help somebody who's leading souls to Christ. I want to help them. Serving is rewarding. Brother, if they have the gift, try to relieve them so they can exercise the gift. Many of you have a gift. God's given you a gift. God wants to use that, you to use that gift in a greater way. And sometimes we just never untap it because we're too afraid. Well, what if I get out and serve and I fail? Happens all the time. But the just man falleth down seven times and riseth up again. Serving is rewarding. You know, sometimes God just brings people across your path to encourage you. And, and I thought I was going to visit her today. He's not here but Lord willing, he'll come next week. And I was doing something this week and helping somebody with something that needed to be done. And you know, God puts you in the right place at the right time. And I just happened to be there at the right time when God sends somebody driving by and he stopped 
And he got out of his truck and came over and talked for about 20 or 30 minutes. And the man is looking for a local church. He didn't know I was a pastor. I was in a t-shirt, okay? I was in the middle of some work. There was thorns, okay? It was, it was on a busy road, it happened to be right then. But, and, and across the street, there was music blaring. The guys over there were blaring music about how they were on the highway to hell. I mean, that's the music they were blaring. And I thought, that's so sad, on your highway to hell. And you're actually singing about it, thinking that's fun. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about that song. Wow, so sad, right, folks? Singing about that and enjoying listening to a song about how they're on their highway to hell. And then somebody came by and told me about how the Lord delivered them and how they were looking for a local church. And just so happened to be, right? And he said, you know what? I know this was a divine appointment. And my friend, I believe it was a divine appointment. Don't you think God can put somebody in your path? But sometimes we just need to be in the way. In the way. I mean, in the way the Lord led me. Remember what the servant said? Abraham's servant gets sent to go find a wife for Isaac. I being in the way, the Lord led me. God leads you if you get in the way. So go ahead and get in the way. Get out in traffic and let the bumper cars push you along. Not literally, okay? But God just might need to put us in the place so we can learn and reach others for Christ. Serving is rewarding. Secondly, serving infuses relationships. You ever wonder why relationships die? Look in Luke 22, verse 27. Look at what Jesus says here. Luke 22, in verse 27. Jesus says, I, look back in verse 26, but it shall not be so. He says, he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. Jesus says the greatest title that you and I can ever have is servant. That goes against our culture today. Serving infuses relationships. Serving empowers relationships. You ever wonder why these relationships, though? You know why marriages die? A lack of service. That's free marital advice. You want? You could go to a psychiatrist, you go to a marriage counselor, and they give you a lot of cool things. At the end of the day, want your marriage to last? We just learn to serve one another. Pretty simple. Those of you who are happily married, wouldn't you say that's true, right? Amen. You learn to serve one another. It's, it's simple. You just Serving infuses relationship. Husband, you want your wife to be happy? Quit complaining about her. Ladies said, oh, kind of a weak there. They're like, I don't want to offend my husband. Okay. Your wife's all just quietly said amen. Look, quit complaining about her, Okay. She's not perfect, and neither are you, okay? Took me a while to figure that out, men. <laughs> Some of y'all still need to figure that out. And don't, I'm not picking on anybody, okay? You all, it's something every one of us struggles with, okay? None of us are perfect, but men, let's quit picking on our wives, okay? They also need to grow. Now, now wives, we don't need to pick on the husband either, okay? <laughs> Part of love is serving, you just go to Ephesians chapter 5, and it's all about serving. And the relationship that is filled with service is a relationship that's alive. By the way, you know how you'll stay long-term in the church? You serve. That's how you stay, because, man, you get so excited. But then you serve, and you say, you know what? 
I'm going to serve, but I'm expecting nothing in return. I'm not expecting anybody to notice me. I'm not expecting anybody to pay me. I'm not expecting anybody to do I'm just here to serve. And when you're here to serve and you got the right heart about it, you know what? God has a way of rewarding it. So serving infuses relationships and it helps empower others. It's hard to serve without being among the believers. And this is where, look, this whole COVID thing went back when it all started. And by the way, aren't you so glad the CDC decided COVID is over? This week, if you didn't find that out, apparently it's over. My wife told me it's, it's over now. So uh, all of a sudden it disappeared. They decided to disappear. And uh, uh, so now it's all over. So I uh, don't worry about that anymore. But, uh, you know, when that was going on, they said virtual church is the same as real church. And some of my pastor friends even said that. Virtual church is the same. It's the same thing. We're still gathering, they said. We're gathering online. My friend, how well did that work out for us, Right. It's a virtual disconnect, okay? I mean, when you are apart from other believers, you might see a like, you might see a thumbs up, but you know what? There's something different when we're sitting on the couch watching church and we're thinking, man, the sound ain't sounding right. Uh, you know, there's this part that's cut out of the camera. Um, oops, my, some other notification went off on my phone, right? I mean, it's hard to connect virtually, and that's why we have in-person church. And throughout history, that's worked very well. And uh, it infuses relationships. Uh, for a new believer, they need it. For a seasoned believer, they need it to edify one another. And right now, without exception, every church, every Christian makes a decision. And you know what? Sometimes, uh, especially I noticed this during COVID, um, folks would say, you know, I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to pray somebody serves me. And that's kind of the attitude that our culture developed was we're going to sit at home and we're just going to pray that somebody writes me a note, calls me, texts me, as if we were the only one that needed, needed anything, not recognizing, you know what, there are millions of people like this right now in the world that are hoping somebody will serve them. Maybe we ought to go serve. Maybe we ought to go serve. And I believe God has birthed within our heart once again that need to say, you know what, we're going to serve. We're going to serve the Lord. Um, uh, you know what? we got to be the ones that serve. In reality, who distanced themselves from who? And during the time of the virus, uh, it was difficult connecting. Look, when we lose our heart for service, we focus on past victories. Jesus said, I am among you as he that used to serve. I served the Lord for five years and he did me. No, 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 no. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love for his name and that you have labored for the saints. God doesn't forget what you do for him. Just keep serving the Lord. He'll take care of you. Right now, without exception, we need to come back to Christ and we need to continue to have a heart of service, a heart of service. Look, we can focus on the past victories. We can remember those past victories, but now it's time to have present victory. It's time to win the battle right now against our flesh. Past victories are great, but pride hinders us from present victory. Pride hinders us. Look, it's great uh, to say, you know what, I was faithful all those years, but now we got to say, you know what, I've decided as for me and my house, I'm going to be faithful these years. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord right now. You might be afraid to step out and serve. I can't go talk to people. You might be like Moses. Look, sometimes we just need to step out by faith. We just need to step out. Fear and faith cannot coexist in the same heart. And people... Um, uh, sometimes uh, expect great things without serving. 
The joy comes from serving, and serving infuses relationships. A marriage that lasts is a marriage where one, they serve one another. A child who has a good relationship with their parents is in a relationship where the parent understands their role in serving, and the child understands their role in serving. And there's got to be a heart of service. Um, the reality is that the relationship of service is often a one-way street. You might feel like you're just serving and nobody notices and you serving and nobody serves you back. But look, my friend, part of serving is you keep serving like Joseph even when everything's going against you. Even when you've been lied about, even when you've been maligned, you just keep serving and you serve the Lord with gladness. And you know what? God has a way, if you hold on to the ladder and you hold on to the bottom rung, God has a way of reversing that ladder if you hold on by faith and keep a humble attitude. But sometimes we say, you know what, I want to climb the ladder. I want to be on the top. And God says, no, 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 no. Hold on. I'll reverse it when it's time. And you see that in the life of Joseph. God reversed things for him. He was down on the bottom. He was serving. He was down in the dungeon. Now he became the leader. His brothers came in, the very ones who had sold him into Egypt. And now they bow down before him and don't even realize who they're bowing down before. He's serving them. He's giving them food. They're having to buy it from him. But look, he provided and he stored up that food. They would have never thought of that because they weren't listening to God. If they would have been listening to God, maybe they would have stored up some food. But they weren't. But you know what their brother was? And their brother provided and served them. And my friends, in our, in our lives, serving infuses relationships. I love the way Joseph forgave his brothers. Wasn't that great? He forgave them and said, you know what? I forgive you. He forgave them. And you know... There comes a time in our lives where we might have been mistreated. You might have been wronged. You might have been wronged uh, earlier in life, wherever you were, whatever happened. God knows that. Jesus was wronged too. Uh, many of God's servants have been wronged as well. But you know, at the end of the day, if we forgive, we're more like Jesus. And we move on and we learn from that to love. The reality is we need to learn to love. For all who have stayed and served the Lord, the relationship of service is reciprocal. So how can I serve? Well, we ought to see the need, and then we need to get up and meet the need. If you're looking for thoughts, you say, how can I go serve? How can I serve? Here's a few thoughts. If you're taking notes, see the need, and then get up early to meet the need. Get up early to meet the need. You'll find that those who serve you and meet your needs, when you walk into that business, they've been there often serving earlier in the day than you. They're, they're serving. Wherever you're at, they're serving. See the need, get up early to meet the need. So get up early and serve. Realize others' burdens are greater than ours. Others' burdens are greater than ours. You say, but nobody's been through this particular situation that you've going through. That might be right. But somebody else probably has been through something greater than we're experiencing. So understanding, look, part of the heart of a servant is saying, look, I might feel I've served a lot, but somebody else has served more than I have. So realize others' burdens are greater than ours. Second, or thirdly, stay in the word. If we're going to serve, we've got to stay in the word. You can't serve Jesus without being full of the word. Otherwise, you become a hypocrite. And uh, stay in prayer. Stay in prayer. Especially prayer, prayer for those we serve. If you don't feel close to them, pray. Jesus was devoted to prayer. He said, my, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. So he, he called it a house of prayer. Church ought to be a place where we pray. We ought to be people of prayer. And fifthly, find creative ways to spend time with those who are serving. Find somebody serving the Lord. Find time to spend with them.
One of the greatest ways we can serve others is by companionship. And often we desire the companionship and we can serve the Lord and develop companionship in the process. Jesus was about and he was among as a servant. And as I was reading in Luke this week and the beginning part of the book of Luke, I saw how Jesus sent his disciples out. And by the way, he sent Judas out too. He sent out all 12 to go preach and heal. God used Judas, who was an apostate, to help others come to the gospel. And you know what? You might have interacted with a Judas in your life, in ministry. And you might say, all people are Judas. No, there was a Peter. There was a, a John. There was a Matthew. There was a Luke. There were all the other 11 who went on and served God. Yes, there was a Judas. You might have interacted with a Judas. But there are the other 11 serving God. And so uh, let's get on and serve the Lord, believing that God wants to make a difference. In closing this morning, serving is rewarding, and it infuses relationships. It's rewarding, and it infuses relationships. Um, it brings life. It brings life. Will you be the one who brings life to others? Will you be the one who serves? Jesus said, I'm among you as he that doth serve. The disciples, they were all worried. They said, Lord, who's going to be the greatest? Lord, who's, Lord, who's going to be the greatest? Uh, we live in a day in which we can see that right and wrong are not equal, right? Even noticing things that happened in Florida this week. It's not fair. It's not just. It's not honest what's being done. But you know what, my friends? In the middle of all of these things, you can trust there is a God in heaven. Okay, And we can turn our eyes to Jesus. We can recognize in the middle of all these things, Jesus was preparing for the very Passover feast. He was about ready to die and give his life. And he saw his disciples fighting. Man, it must have hurt the heart of the master. They were fighting. They were striving amongst each other. Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus, who's going to get the promotion? Jesus, who's going to get to preach next? He that's greatest among you is the servant. Jesus is looking for a servant. He's looking for a servant. He said, he that's chief is he that doth serve. He says, I am among you as he that serveth. Now, Jesus had taught them all these things. He goes to get ready to go on the cross. And you would think his disciples had figured it out by now. But he's praying, sweating great drops of blood. And do you remember? He said, watch with me one hour and pray. Did they do it? They failed him even in that moment. He comes back and finds his disciples asleep. Hey, Peter, James, John, what are you doing? Our eyes are heavy, Jesus. And he found us like some, he found them like some of us are today, right? Maybe we're just, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can get up and pray today, right? I don't know if I can. Aren't you glad he still used them? He still used them. And God's not looking for a servant who's perfect. He's looking for a servant who's willing to get up and serve the Lord. Do you want to, you want to be, uh, recognized? Do you want to be rewarded? Sometimes that's the temptation. Is we want to be recognized. We want to be rewarded. We want others to, to speak well of us. Jesus said, beware when all men speak well of you. There, there's a rewarding day coming in heaven, and it's for those who didn't get rewarded on earth. There's a, the greatest among us are those who quietly serve the Lord with gladness, with a good spirit. Find a shovel, find a broom, and let's go serve the Lord. Find a hammer, find some nails, let's go serve. Find your Bible, find some love, and let's go help others get the gospel. That's what we need to do. Serve the Lord with gladness. May God help us to do this, to be like Jesus. He says, I am among you as he 
for that service. Our culture calls for everything else. Even uh, the modern church pushes for many other things. We push for many other things. We do not want to push for the attention and praise of men. We want to push for the praise of God. And look, God has a way of being glorified when we put him first. And let's ask the Lord to help us. It might just be saying, you know what? I'm going to commit to be faithful to serve the Lord. I'm going to commit to be faithful to study the word, to be faithful to come to uh, a gathering and, and hear the word of God. I'm going to be faithful in my service and when you're faithful in your service, it's then you can serve others. We've had atheists come through our doors. Even our ladies' Bible study. Did you get to talk to them, ladies? Did you get to, were you there? Were you able to encourage them? Were you there to help them? See, part of the reason we come to our gatherings, part of the reason we have men's campouts is so we can bring our men together and then we can bring visitors and then we can get to encourage others. It's not just to serve ourselves, it's to serve others. And the heart ought to be, you know what? It's great we get to have this event. It's great we get to do this. But you know what? Who am I going to serve today? Who am I going to help? Lord, help me to do that. May that be our heart, a heart like Jesus. He said, I am among you as he that doth serve.